0: Good morning once again good morning once again i 'll turn my microphone on and try it again hey it 's uh, always exciting it 's always uh, something I look forward to to open god 's word together because uh, you know we talk about the christian life the 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 life we spend following after Jesus as a pilgrimage that we 're on this this uh, pilgrimage path we 're on this adventure learning and growing and becoming as we walk. With Jesus, as we learn more and more to align our lives uh, with His way, for His heart to become our heart, and His will our will, uh, and so anytime we open the Word together, we're joining together, we're we're assenting together. Like yes, we will go where God leads us, where Christ bids us go, and bids us to come. So uh, it's important. It's a, there's a something very. Uh, remarkable and meaningful happening whenever we open God's Word, and so I'm excited to do that. Today we are continuing in our Everyday People teaching series, uh, looking at the book of Ruth. We're looking at Ruth's stories, uh, story, one, there's only one, I guess, uh, and really trying to see how that connects us to that larger story of redemption. The larger story of God's work in the world, in Christ Jesus. And so, uh, today we will continue uh, learning a bit more about kind of the backdrop. We're going to spend some time just kind of building in, uh, like if you've ever watched uh, The Joy of Painting with Bob Ross. He spends a lot of time building in the background. Anyone watch Bob Ross? I mean, you're saved, right? Okay. Um <laughs> He spends a lot of the time just kind of putting these colors up, and you don't really know where it's all going. You know it's going to include happy trees, you know it's going to include a little uh, mountains with some uh, a brook coming down through it, some branches in the foreground, there's maybe a cabin, you know, but for the longest time, it's just colors. He spends intentional time building in the backdrop, and that's what we're doing in these first few weeks. because. Last week, a lot of you raised your hands that you're familiar with the story of Ruth, right? If you'd raise your hands again, you, you, you know the story of Ruth. But have you re- do you really have a good handle on how it tells us of the enduring faithfulness of God? How it ties us into that grand theme of redemption? Why it's read uh, at Pentecost? I didn't understand that before I started studying this, and so we're going to spend some time really kind of getting our bearings today. So today is called Mount Sinai, because it figures heavily into why this story matters. Have you ever considered the radical faithfulness of God? The radical faithfulness of our God, and here's what I mean. I mean the radical faithfulness faithfulness of God beyond Him being reliable beyond him being an ever-present help in time of need. The radical faithfulness of God. I'm talking about how faithful he has been in sticking with his human project in creation. One sense you might get if you read through the Old Testament is like, oh, he's going to clobber us. He's going to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. He's going to just wipe them off the map. They've made him too mad too many times. It's game over. But not so. God persists. God keeps this big picture in mind. This, he's playing the long game with his human project. The radical faithfulness of God. His enduring commitment in creating his enduring commitment in calling people to himself, his enduring commitment in delivering his people from bondage and exile, his enduring commitment in bringing them into a promised land. God has never given up on this this core mission of his. All throughout the pages of Scripture we find God remembering his covenants. There's times where he's really frustrated with Israel. But he remind, it's almost like he's reminding himself. It's like, yet I remember the promise I made to Abraham. Yet I remember the promise I made to Moses. He, all throughout Scripture, he's remembering these covenants he's made with his people. He's giving himself in kindness and in provision to the faithful. We can think about the the great moments in Biblical history when God initiated covenants with His people and we, here and now, we must let those moments frame our thinking then. Not just when we approach Scripture, but also when we approach stories like Ruth. Mount Sinai, everyone familiar with Mount Sinai? What important event happened on Mount Sinai? The Ten Commandments, right? The giving of the law. It's also referred to as Mount Horeb sometimes, but it's Mount Sinai. This is where God came down and spoke, revealed His will to His people in the giving of the law. And when we think about the law, we oftentimes specifically think about the Ten Commandments. But a lot of stuff was given. I mean, a big portion of the Old Testament is like what God is saying to Moses. must have been big tablets. I mean, like, oh, I need some help here. My aching back, you know, my sciatica. No, right, Dale? All right. Um, Mount Sinai in the Old Testament and the advent of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, they are both associated with Pentecost. These are both associated with the the celebration of Pentecost, and they serve as the bookends for our understanding of God giving His law and His Spirit to us. So Sinai would be God giving His law, sending of the Holy Spirit in Acts would be the giving of His Spirit to us. And these are both associated then with Pentecost. They're both marked, interestingly enough, with flames, with wind, and with a whole bunch of mystery, but they are both um, initiating something. It's, it, they are both God consummating His covenants with His chosen people, uh, and these have long been symbolized uh, in the Christian imagination uh, by these iconic moments, Sinai and the sending of the Holy Spirit. Before Christianity uh, associated it with the coming of the Holy Spirit, Pentecost, which means 50, that's the meaning of Pentecost, 50, uh, was celebrated as a Jewish festival. Does anyone know what that festival is? Shavuot. (laughs) Shavuot, which is really the the festival of, um, of weeks, or the Feast of Weeks. It was celebrated as the Jewish festival of Shavuot 50 days after Passover. Okay, so that's where the 50 comes from. Shavuot was the Feast of Weeks. It was the celebration of first fruits, of the first fruits of wheat or of the harvest. This annual celebration served a purpose, an important purpose. It it, it helped uh, draw the people's attention to God's faithfulness. Once a year, they gather around and say, Today we remember God's enduring faithfulness to us. It drew everyone's attention to God's faithfulness and providing for His people in the sending of the rain, in the sending of of the giving of sunlight, and the, 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 the blessing of an abundant harvest. Thank you, God. This seasonal faithfulness of God drew the attention of the people to the greater faithfulness of God, the faithfulness expressed in the covenant relationships established on Mount Sinai and later in and through Jesus Christ. By the 8th century AD, so the 700s, the reading of Ruth, okay, this is where we're all getting to, okay, by the 8th century AD then, the reading of the story of Ruth uh, on Pentecost became a tradition. In the 8th century, we we began viewing the story of Ruth, of Boaz, and of Naomi as a telling of God's faithful love. Seeing this story as as an earthy, uh, local telling of God's cosmic, enduring faithfulness. So why is this? Why is this? How could this story become connected with this grand, overarching theme of God? From Sinai to the sending of the Holy Spirit. How could Ruth become the way we tell that story? Why would it be associated with that? How does the earthy, everyday story of a farmer and two widows point our hearts and our minds towards God's radical faithfulness? Well, here's my take. The story of Ruth, it helps us see in a new way. The story of Ruth helps us see in a lived out way how God takes us in when we are outsiders, takes us in, gives us a home, He redeems us, and He covers us with His grace. He brings us into His care, into His family, and He covers us with His grace. And I keep doing this motion because this is going to make sense later in the story. He covers us with His grace. So it's necessary for us to read Ruth's story cast up against the larger backdrop, up against the larger overarching theme of the law given at Sinai and Acts chapter 2 when God sends the Holy Spirit to us. Okay, so try to hold all these things in tension as we move forward. You can open your Bible to the book of Ruth. And we're going to read the first chapter of Ruth today as we, like Bob Ross, start painting in the backdrop. In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and his two sons with him. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife was Naomi. Their two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites. from... Met- man, I stumbled with that one last week, too. Epaphathites. Epaphathites. Ephrathites. 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 Yes. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. And when they reached Moab, they settled there. Then Elimelech died and Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women. One married a woman named Orpah and the other a woman named Ruth. But about 10 years later, both Malon and Kilion died. This left Naomi alone without her two sons or her husband." Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab and return to their homeland. With her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living, and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. But on the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, "'Go back to your mother's homes, and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me.'" May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they all broke down and wept. No, they said, no, we want to go with you to your people. But Naomi Naomi replied, why should you go on with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who would grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters, return to your parents' homes, for I am too old to marry again. And even if it were possible and I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? (laughs) No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. And again, they wept together, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, "'Your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same.' But Ruth replied, "'Don't ask me to leave you and turn back. "'Wherever you go, I will go. "'Wherever you live, I will live. "'Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. "'Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. "'May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us.'" When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. So the two then continued on their journey. When they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited by their arrival. "'Is it really Naomi?' the women asked. "'Don't call me Naomi,' she responded. "'Instead, call me Mara, for the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. "'I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty.' Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by her daughter-in-law Ruth, the young Moabite woman. They arrived in Bethlehem in the late spring at the beginning of the barley harvest. Man, I love this story. So many powerful things going on. So emotion, such emotion. Oh, so good. Because the story that we read here in the book of Ruth... Because it involves such everyday people, speaking for myself and I think for most of you, we find this story to be accessible. There's not these high like you know, a queen and a king, or you know, princes and dragons and things. It's people. We get it, it's accessible to us. We understand this kind of story. It seems somehow familiar. Why? Because we've known tragedy we've known difficulty we've known loss we understand what displacement feels like we know what uncertainty feels like so as we read of Elimelech of Naomi of Malon of Kilion of Orpah and Ruth we get it we get it at a fundamental level we understand it perhaps we understand it better than we want to better than we'd like because I look around the room and I know a lot of you have been through some pretty dark days some big searing losses. And I know, so I approach Ruth, I know that you approach Ruth, and we find a familiar story in ways that we probably wouldn't choose. But we must keep this simple human story in all its accessibility and familiarity, we must keep this simple story tethered to the larger themes tied to these larger themes, themes of humanity's uh, tragedy and loss and displacement because of, the sin, because of sin and because of the fall. This isn't just a local uh, personal story. This is the story of a larger, uh, it's a local telling of a larger story, the story of sin and of the fall. So we have to keep this story tethered and tied to that. Boaz redeeming Ruth in Bethlehem and God redeeming his people at Sinai and on Calvary, they are woven together in the hands of our covenant-making God. Okay, there's a reason this story is saved for us, because it helps us then access and understand how God has been working throughout history to tie these things, weave these things together, and to tell the story of his covenant-making heart. Uh, let's see, uh, today we're going to have a traveling companion with us, uh, Eugene Peterson. I talked about him last week, but his book, Five Smooth Stones for Ministry, has been really helpful in understanding this connection. So I'm going to be quoting our friend Eugene a couple times this morning, so bear with me. If you don't like Eugene Peterson, you can leave. No, just kidding. Just hang in there. Maybe you'll love him at the end of this. Eugene Peterson says, Scripture is a vast tapestry of God's saving ways among His people. Each detail of each person's life is part of a larger story, and the larger story is salvation. That each of our lives is a thread in that tapestry telling the story of God's salvation. How good does that make you feel? That I'm a part of this. My ups, my downs, my dark days, my bright days, all these things are used by God in the ongoing telling of the story of salvation. Now originally, the Feast of Pentecost involved the retelling of the story of God, giving the law from Sinai, and it involved the reading of the Torah, which is the first five books of the Old Testament, uh, but they would specifically spend time in Exodus chapter 19 and 20. This annual retelling and reminding became an important recentering event. In Israel. We've talked about how Sunday, our gatherings to worship on Sunday become kind of a recentering event. Well, this retelling of the story of God in the Torah in Exodus became that annual recentering for Israel. Peterson says, At Sinai, Israel found structure. At Sinai, Israel found direction for the redeemed life. The past was defined, the future was established, and the everyday conduct of the people was ordered within the covenant boundaries. What God was given to them, it provided structure and order to their life. Ruth's story then, as we come to Ruth's story, we find that it takes place in the time of the judges, during which, as uh, Judges 21-25 says, the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes which means they were ripe for recentering. They were ripe for being called back to live out their lives within the boundaries of that covenant that God had established with them. The Sinai Revelation, or the Ten Commandments, begins with the words, the important words, I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God who did what? Remember, I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery, you must not have any other gods before me. And this we read in Exodus chapter 20, verses verses 2 and 3. I am the Lord your God, and I rescued you. I rescued you, so you must not have any other gods before me. The covenants of God, when we are reminded of them, they serve an important purpose in the life of faith. The covenants of God, they help snap us out of our delusion. We are easily deluded. We are easily distracted. And the covenants of God, once we hear them again at regular interval, we open God's Word and we're reminded it snaps us out of our delusion and out of our slavery to ourself. God's pursuit of His people finds us. It finds us over and over again right where we are when we absolutely need it the most. Has God done this for you? He's like, sometimes it's by the nape of our neck. He like jerks us up and like, hey, stop it. Otherwise, other times circumstances happen or things are said or things are taken and it just like smelling salts wakes us up like, whoa, what am I doing? Where have I wandered? To where have I wandered? So it snaps us out of our delusion. Peterson says, Sinai, and it's important to remember this, Mount Sinai was not a special holy place to which the people had come on pilgrimage. Uh, Moses never led the people, hey, let's go to this place called Sinai. I hear it's pretty hot. It's sweet. God's always hanging out there. No, it wasn't this place they went on pilgrimage. It was there they happened to be when God's will was clarified and the people's response was recognized. Sinai became sacred and holy because this is where God did something. This is where God intersected the life of Israel in an important way. Decisions were made there, and it was therefore a decisive event. Now, God meeting with His people over and over again, God meeting with and caring for His people sets the stage then for two fundamental, foundational understandings in the life with God. And these are two big words, but we'll we'll camp out here for a second. Election and covenant. Election and covenant. Now my Reformed friends are probably frothing at the mouth now, like, sweet, we're talking about election. We're not going that deep, so prepare for disappointment. (laughs) Election and covenant. Election. God has chosen His people. God has chosen His people, and He has set them apart for what? Salvation. Salvation. God has chosen His people and He has set them apart for salvation. Election. Covenant. No, okay, so not only has God chosen His people, but He's established covenant. Meaning He is involving His people in His life. In His work. He involves His people in His redeeming and His saving work. So He, just, he chooses you for salvation, but then He employs you. He involves you in the telling of salvation to the world. Election and Covenant. Peterson explains it this way. The Sinai event is a kind of axle for holding together two basic realities. One, everything God, God does involves me, and two, everything I do is therefore significant. Okay? God has chosen me for a purpose. So everything I do is, uh, everything God does involves me. And two, because I do, everything I do is therefore significant. Because I am chosen, I have consequence election creates a unique identity covenant describes a responsible relationship election is the declaration that God has designs upon me and covenant is the description of how the things I do fit into those designs I like this symmetry here that God hasn't just put a mark on me and called me to be his own he's actually said okay with this identity comes a mission comes a purpose Not only am I identified with God, I'm commissioned by God to be about to join Him in His work. Sinai, in short, Peterson says, is a realization that we count, and what we do counts. Nothing is meaningless, nothing is pointless, nothing is wasted. We count, and what we do counts. History makes sense because God's will and humankind's will are manifest in it. Nothing is random or inconsequential or meaningless. Now, this may feel like a lot to hold up in, in our brains at the same time. This may feel like a lot, but it is important. And it is very helpful, a helpful framework for understanding how God is at work in the world. Because we believe God is still at work in the world, don't we? God is still at work in the world. It will be helpful for, helpful for us, and it will help enable us to more fully then hear Ruth's story. And in in more fully hearing Ruth's story, we may just hear our own story more clearly. We might start to see our story a little bit more fully as we go throughout our days. Visualize it this way a covenant thread, a covenant thread extends from us backwards in history to the believers gathered in Jerusalem in Acts. And then from there, backwards in history, to Ruth and Boaz in Bethlehem. And then going back even further still, to Israel standing before Mount Sinai. And then going back even further then, beyond to the beginning of creation, into the hands of God Himself, who is on the other end. And He's like holding this spool that is constantly being unfurled into the future. We are part of the story. We're holding on to that thread of redemption, that covenant thread. We are part of the grand story that God has been telling throughout history. Naomi mattered. Ruth mattered. Boaz mattered. You and me, we matter. We matter. How does that make you feel? I mean, consider that. We matter in the grand story of God, the story of salvation being told in the world. We matter. We have a part to play. How does that change things? How does that change how you will spend today? How does that change how you will engage this week, knowing that you go out living the salvation story of God? Peterson closes with this. He says, It's an artful telling of this. It, in its artful telling of this outsider widow, uprooted and obscure, her to, her to, who turns out to be the great-grandmother of David and the ancestor of Jesus. <gasps> Spoiler. Sorry, that's a spoiler. Don't be mad. She turns out to be the great-grandmother of David and the ancestor of Jesus. The book of Ruth makes it possible for each of us to understand ourselves, however ordinary or out of it, as irreplaceable. We are irreplaceable in the full telling of God's story. Hear me say, we count. You count. Every last one of us counts, and what we do, it counts. So let's pray together. Father, we hear your word, and we take that to heart. Lord, I think sometimes we, we fall into this kind of a mechanistic thinking of the life of faith, that we just do this thing, there's this transaction, we hold up our end of the bargain, you hold up your end of the bargain, everyone's happy, and we just go to heaven when we die. But God, your word tells us in so many different ways, such a variety of, of ways, that how you're at work in the world is, is vast, It's robust, and it's ongoing, and we're a part of that story, that you're telling the story of salvation, the story that includes the giving of the law in Sinai and the the giving of the Holy Spirit in Jerusalem in Acts. Uh, It's also relevant to us here today. You're giving yourself over and over. You're telling that story uh, over and over again through us, and God, we play a part. And because of that, we matter, and what we do has consequence. So God, I pray that we would have a renewed sense, maybe a a new sense, a a fuller sense of the gravity, the meaning of the life we've been given. God, the call to follow Jesus isn't just to believe certain things or to uh, uh, do certain behaviors and and avoid other behaviors. It's actually to step in to this, this long, ancient stream of redemption to step in and, and be willing day by day more and more to play our part in this, th- this salvation story, the telling of redemption. God, I love the idea that we're holding the thread that you started unspooling into the world from the day of creation, that we're holding on to that. Ruth, Naomi, Boaz, they're holding on to it. Our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ <laughs> in the early church, they're holding on to this. The, 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 the faithful all throughout the Old Testament, they're holding it. Moses holding it, and at the other end, it's with you. That's crazy to me. That's so reassuring. So God, I pray that we would hear that message, and whatever your Holy Spirit needs to do in our hearts right now, I pray that it would. I pray that we'd give access. We'd be willing. We'd be pliable in your hands. God, our life is yours. Do with it what you will. Make us obedient, willing. Motivate us to live within the boundaries of our covenant life with you that which you have accomplished through Jesus Christ, through His life, His death, His resurrection, His ascension, and His glorification. Jesus is King, and we will live in His kingdom here and now, today, this week. So God, work that truth into our heart. Help us as we read and spend more time in the book of Ruth. I pray that we'd start to see and hear our own story and hear it as part of the bigger story because of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for my friends who've been following Jesus. I pray that they would uh, sense an urgency today, hear an invitation to 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 walk more faithfully, to to wade more deeply into the life of Christ with Christ. And I pray for my friends who've never followed Jesus. I pray that once again, that hear an invitation. It begins here by turning and by confessing faith in Jesus as Lord and following after Him, believing that what He effected on the cross paid the guilt of my sin, so that I might be free to come back home. Come back into life with God and be part of that covenant life. So God, we lift our prayers to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, we have a couple of announcements in Curtis, just like last week. Uh, we've had real strong public demand for this. Curtis is going to do announcements. So, so get excited, everybody.
1: announcements. Uh, I wanted to talk about students tonight. Uh, if you are a student, uh, that basically means fifth grade to, I don't know, whenever these days, um, we're going to meet at our house. Um, so we're going to have the bonfire. We have, um, well not a bonfire, we have a fire pit. Uh, those are two different things. Um, and snacks and, and whatnot. So if you're interested, you can come see me or my wife who was playing the bass today. Um, we'll give you directions to our house. Um we're going to continue in the Book of James our discussion. We've been going through NT Wright's book on James, so we're, we just kind of have a really good discussion, uh, kind of diving in deep. So that's from six to eight tonight. Um, if you guys, I don't know about you, but I enjoy this every single week that we watch people speak to the young people. It's the stuff we didn't get to see, right? You, you know, we're in service and we don't get to see necessarily when we had nursery and and children's church. What was going on? This is the this is the fun stuff. Um, So, I really enjoy that. I love the puppets that come up and all the stuff that has happened. Uh, If you are somebody who gets excited about this as well, maybe this is an opportunity for you. Um, If you sat every week going, man, I wish that was me, grab Adam, uh, look for Heather Haynes when she's here, uh, talk to myself, and just say, hey, I would love to to do something. It doesn't take very long, five, ten minutes at the most. extension spans aren't that long Uh, so you got to think about that Um, and so that's a great opportunity Um, some of the other ways that we have opportunities to to be a part to do our part as the as the church um, you know our offering we we give with joyful hearts that God has that has given us so much the stuff that we don't deserve most of the time Um, and, and so with that, we have opportunities. We have the tablet back there. We have baskets. We have online that you can do. But 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 along with that, we have a special offering we're doing right now. Uh, and that's for the Stoddards uh, to kind of go with medical bills to kind of cover some of Christie's uh, costs for her, her procedures and and um, medications and whatnot. So if you're interested in giving them that, there's a special tab back there. You can also, if you're writing a check or whatever, you can write that. Uh, in the memo there for, for Heather to be able to recognize. Um, this Friday is a really neat opportunity. This is our way that we, we kind of show love to our neighbors. Um, we we partnered with Victory Mission, and they do a mobile pantry through our back parking lot. Uh, there I don't know if you guys, some of you never come here during the week, but this parking lot is used for lots of things, not necessarily by our church. Uh, so there's, there's people speeding through the lots. There's people just hanging out. There's people camping out. This is our way to kind of say, hey, we're, we're part of the neighborhood here too. Uh, so if you're interested from 12.50 to 2 o'clock, it's not much time, but we're looking for some volunteers. Um, I think this Friday my wife's going to be there. Uh, but, but we're going to have several people. This is, we're only going to do it once this month and once next month. Uh, Normally, we do every other Friday, right, or the second and fourth Friday. Um, But it doesn't take much time, but you get to see so many people go through. We're going to be giving baskets, um, care bags for Thanksgiving as well during this time. So they're going to get their basics, and they're going to have a Thanksgiving meal kind of bag for them. Um, We take opportunities to pray with them. This is a really good opportunity. You get to know people, and and they'll say things like, well, I'm looking for a job. Well, if you're somebody who maybe is looking for employees uh, in your job, this is a great opportunity to show up for. So um, along with that, we're partnering with another church in the neighborhood. Uh, We're going to be doing – there's going to be a basket back there starting next week. Uh, For the next couple weeks, we're going to do a basket uh, for hats and gloves. I talked about it last week, but um, we're partnering with uh, Greater Metropolitan Church, uh, Pastor Kim Lewis, and what we're doing is um, working together to just provide hats and gloves for victory mission. Uh, So when they're out and they're working with people and they don't have hats and gloves, we're we're giving back. Um, So that's another opportunity. Uh, Angel tree. Uh, Christmas, we kind of ramp up around here. I I don't have a clue how it's going to work this year. Uh, I think if anybody did you'd be the wisest person in the room, right? Um, So uh, Amanda, tell us a little bit about Angel Tree. So
2: we, we actually have Angel Tree coming up really fast. I was given the names of our kids two weeks later than normal, so their schedule has slowed down a bit. We have 53 kids this year that we are getting gifts for, and I have 12 up and ready on that little tree starting today. So some of the gifts are very specific and others are very broad. That's just kind of how it's falling this year, too. But um, I can tell you in the past, we've had people not attend our party so that the gifts are delivered to their house because that's the only gift they have under their tree for Christmas. So this is really an important thing and uh, when i get the kid list i have the address and it's amazing how many call in our neighborhood or within 10 miles from here so this is a national program that is hitting on such a local level um we have met neighbors who who we keep in touch with because of this program so um it's a really good thing we uh 53 sounds daunting it's really not some of the shopping's already been done so so just like feel at ease there like like don't take on five or six if you cannot do that um in the past we've had families do that so just just really it's it's gonna happen uh and just feel free to check those kids out there are some really amazing stories if you want to hear some details behind
1: Thank you, Amanda. Oh, and then um, December 5th is when we are giving
2: them out. That's this Saturday. So the Sunday before is the last Sunday of November. It's not great timing. It's coming quick. So um, if it has to be after that last Sunday of November, uh, we s- you still have time to connect with me or get it to the church by December 5th. I just think we're going to be really close to when it in those last days, so just uh, just be in touch with me. Heather is gonna be putting out some information on the newsletter with my contact information
1: if you need to get a hold of me on it. Yeah. Or if you just see her back there, you can just yeah, grab her Absolutely. And, uh, afterwards. Uh, the very last thing, we're trying to figure out what we're gonna do with Candyland. Uh, we've been blessed, this was kinda handed to us a few years ago, we originally partnered up with the Roller Derby Girls and Public Works And this was, I think our first year that we did it was like, what, 300 families went through. It was a crazy opportunity uh, that we were just kind of given. And after a while, uh, public works faded out and it just became our thing. Um, So Roller Derby Girls probably won't be here this year because we're not sure how this is going to look. Um, you know, we'll, we're going to be meeting uh, tomorrow to discuss kind of what does that look. What logistics do we have to cover uh, to make sure everybody stays safe as we do this? So please bear with us, but but keep looking forward. That as a good opportunity um, because there are so many families at this time. I mean, you guys, you probably at least know at least one person that's kind of struggling. This is a, a really good opportunity just to kind of give back to people during this time. So thank you.
0: Go ahead and stand with me as we pray, as we pray, as Jesus taught us, like Jesus taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. May the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Thanks everyone. Have a good afternoon.